Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project Podcast, Getting Undressed with God. The place where we talk about what you think, but don't say it, you believe, but won't discuss it, and you feel, but are too scared to share it. As always, I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and I am delighted that you could join me once again. Today, I'm going to be building on last week's podcast by sharing the treasures that God has chosen to hide within each one of our hearts during that moment in time where he knitted us together inside our mother's womb. So I invite you to please sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Sound Project podcast. I am uh, very, very happy to be back. I've been away for two weeks in Europe with my family, had a great time, and I am, of course, fully charged. Now, last uh, episode, I spoke about uh, a scripture that, of course, uh, many have used uh, not only to discredit uh, the heart, uh, the human heart, but of course, they have also uh, kept many others away from it. Normally, uh, because obviously, uh, you know, they create a, a real fear around this, this central part of, of our being. And of course, I'm speaking about uh, the scripture that we find in Jeremiah 17. And uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast, I recommend that you do before you maybe listen to this one, as that one will helpfully clear out any any sort of like uh, reservations you have about the heart, uh, maybe perhaps some things you've heard uh, in the past about it, which of course, you know, give you this this almost like chill down your spine every time anybody speaks about, you know, living that life out of there. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be spending some time on the heart, uh, not only in this episode, but of course in the ones to come. And I'm going to keep doing that because this is an area where I have had a lot of revelation from God and I have seen tremendous transformation in my life as I have engaged in life, not only from here, but I have begun to process reality from here. Um, I have allowed God to come into my heart and, of course, heal the deep wounding, uh, emotional wounding, uh, and even spiritual wounding that I that I carried for a long, long time in my life, which, without me knowing, dictated the very cycles of my life, the seasons, and, and really just the merry-go-arounds that I found myself in in so many areas where I tried really hard to get off, but no matter how hard I tried, nothing really changed. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing this today and for the, for the weeks to come, and I'm going to keep doing it until my heart, or the, better yet, the king within my heart, uh, ushers me and just leads me to move on to something else. Now, this week, what I want to I wanna share is, um, you know, now that we establish how central the heart is and that it isn't actually, uh, you know, um, deceitful and desperately wicked, what is it that is packed within our hearts? What is it that the enemy so fears uh, that he has gone to such lengths not only to disconnect us from it, but also to try and get us to live a life outside of it, paying more attention about what goes on outside our beings 
uh, and allowing that then to give us uh, signals, whether they're positive, negative, about who we are and what we are worth and the value of our lives and whether we are winners or losers, etc., etc. Um, and so, you know, why is it that he has done that and has gone such a long way towards, um, you know, towards doing this? Now, my, uh, my interest in the heart began with this, uh, you know, when Jesus is asked, you know, what are the two greatest commandments? The first one, of course, right off the bat that he speaks about is he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind and strength. Now, it was it was this appearance of the heart in the first place that really sort of caught my attention over time because of course back then I, w I was believing that the heart was deceitful and desperately wicked um, you know I was told that the heart was no good that I, I should you know I should just put a lid on it and just move on and live life right and wrong you know really transactionally if you like but of course Jesus and God spoke so much about it and why would he then place it as the first thing on this command if indeed it's so bad and so whippy, so wicked and so deceitful? And of course, the first question that I asked myself was how can a wicked and deceitful heart have any chance of actually loving God? I mean, let's face it. If this thing is so bad, how can anything good as loving God is? come out of it. So this is where my dilemma began before I went and did the study I shared with you last week. And of course, I dug deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm, of course, still digging because the heart, as the Bible says, is a well of very deep waters and only understanding, not knowledge or information, but understanding. In other words, engaging it, experiencing it, living out of it, being within it is the way that we draw the water out. So as I have uh, as I have done this under this journey of understanding, um, I've discovered that the heart has several things packed in it that um, that truly um, are treasures that God puts within each of us, not just some of us, not the ones that are important or stand out on the crowd. No, every single human being comes packed with these things that I'm going to share with you today. Uh, in the hope that you understand that, of course, if the heart is a place that you you do not go to, you do not pay attention, you do life, that you're seriously missing out on some real, true riches flowing not only within you, but of course, then out of you to them, of course, bless not only people, but also bless God, as you will hear in a minute. Now, um, the first uh, the first thing that I want to I want to sort of, you know, touch on. And as you know, um, I wrote a book about, you know, our true identity in Christ. Um, and th there's a scripture that, uh, that, that comes straight away to me when I, when I think of the treasures that are within the heart. And in my opinion, this one that I'm about to share is possibly the, the most valuable one. And no way am I undermining the others, but, you know, this one is truly, uh, if you like, the pearl of, of great value that the man finds in the field and that as he finds it he then goes and sells everything else in order to buy the field in other ways in order to access the field that of course he has spent all his life building and acquiring and amassing in the hope of making his life valuable making his life count giving himself some sort of belonging if you like 
And then suddenly, he, you know, he discovers this field and finds this pearl. Now, this pearl, of course, is what I'm about to share now, which is, of course, our true identity, our personality, not the one that gets distorted and kind of put together through brokenness and through the experiences of life and uh, if you like the social uh, messages that we get or conditioning or what people tell us that we are or that we are not or the results we get in life no this personality is present the moment god breathes life the moment that he knits us together within our our mother's womb okay now this verse, which is, it is a beautiful verse, is found in 1 Peter, and it's chapter 3, and of course, uh, verse 4. Now, as always, I'm going to be reading from my Aramaic Bible, um, so if it varies from what you say, then of, uh, from what yours says, then of course, just, just come along with me in the journey, and uh, you know, obviously, you can do a, a deeper research on your, on your Bible and what you're reading later. Now, in my Bible, it says, but adorn yourselves in the hidden person of the heart with a mild and pure spirit, an ornament that is precious before Elohim. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, this word adorn yourself is, um, is straight away catches my attention because, you know, when I adorn my house, um, I am adding, um, you know, details to them. I'm adding, I'm adding things that are going to make it stand out from any other house you or anyone else or I will ever visit. It, it almost gives it this, um, you know, this exclusivity, um, you know, this limited edition. But even a limited edition is not even good enough because in a limited edition, there's usually several that are the same. It's like a uniqueness that our lives uh, come into and almost like, you know, get, get to sort of like communicate this difference that God has given us. We are adorned suddenly. I don't know about you. I, I have been to many houses in my time and, and I've been to many big, beautiful houses. Um, and there is a huge difference between a house and a home. And, you know, when you enter a house that is just a house, no matter how well decorated this house is, it's cold. It doesn't touch your heart. Uh, you can have the most expensive uh, furniture. You can have the most expensive things, but it doesn't do anything to you. Now, you can walk on a house that is not even as big or as nice as this one. But when you walk in, you walk into a home. Suddenly you become aware that it's adorned with something extraordinary, something that is truly um, unique. Uh, and, and obviously when we live out of our true identity, when we, when we sort of come into the fullness of this, this place within us that carries God's spiritual DNA, you know, his nature, his image and his likeness, then suddenly we, we are we are living and we not only are living, but we are being a, a treasure, if you like, um, to the world, to those we come in contact with, to our families, to our friends, to our relationships, because it is out of the fullness of that treasure within us uh, that, you know, that place that we are one with Christ, that life is obviously flowing. And, you know, going back to what says in Proverbs 4.23, that life 
obviously begins in the heart. So again, um, and I think this is a great question to ask, if we are not living out of that personality and we are not living out of this, this hidden person within our hearts, then who is living our lives? And ultimately, who are you and who am I? So it's a, it's a very interesting question to ask ourselves and to really give that space to, to input into that. Because, of course, you know, it doesn't matter how far down this journey we are. All of us still carry a part of our shadow of our false identity that is always present. Because, you know, Paul said today we see in part, then we will see as a whole. So we will always have some part of our egotistical false identity at work in our lives. But it's good to always take stock. And that's what I believe the journey is about. It's about discovering this hidden person of the heart. So it isn't about becoming something that we are not, but it's about shedding who we think we are. Like Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to first lose it. So shedding who we think we are in order that we are able to access the heart and actually find who we really are in Christ and who God really made us to be. Now, in this Bible that I read, uh, there's a beautiful ending and it says, it's an ornament that is precious before Elohim. Again, um, you know, ornaments. You and I, we've both visited homes and there are ornaments that are just ornaments. And there are ornaments that, man, they really do, uh, you know, they really do capture the space or the, the, the area of the house where they're displayed. And they really do touch your heart when you see them, when you spend some time looking at them, experiencing them. Much the same way as when we see a precious jewel or a piece of jewelry or a beautiful scenery. Suddenly we are captured by this, uh, this, 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 this ornament that is adorning, that is enhancing, that is bringing value, that is adding life to this area, to this space within the house. And if you put that as far as with God, you know, um, a pre precious before Elohim, an, an ornament that is precious... It's almost like we are adorning the world through our lives when we live out of this, this place within our hearts where this hidden person of the heart, our true identity, we, we are adorning the world. We are making the world a more beautiful place when we live from here. And obviously when God sees that, he is pleased in much the same way that we are when, of course, we come into the presence of of course, of a beautiful, valuable, and exquisite um, ornament. Now, the next thing that um, we are also able to, uh, to uncover, another treasure, if you like, that, uh, that the heart uh, comes equipped with, is, of course, um, our ability to reason, our ability um, to see truth, to hear truth, and uh, obviously to be able to to think. I'm not talking about intelligence, but I'm talking something deeper. You know, um, I think in common language, we, we call it the gut. You know, listen to your gut. What, what's your gut feeling? We ask each other. So it's got this, this ability of not only seeing truth and hearing truth, but also processing. And if you like, giving us the ability 
to to obviously understand when we are in the presence of truth and when we are not, no matter how convincing what we're seeing or hearing might be. Uh, now, it's very important, again, when we follow Christ uh, and when we, of course, are in this journey of the heart, that we are able to reason from the heart itself, that we don't explore life through a dualistic mind, which I shared with a few a few weeks ago, which is either this way or that way, but that we're able to see this third way, which is, of course, the kingdom way. Um, without this ability to reason from the heart that we all have, but of course, very few of us choose to operate from. Instead, we choose the dualistic way where we feel safe because it's either this way or that way. And we kind of narrow the, the chances for mystery and the need for faith. And of course, we feel more in control and secure that we are aware of what's going on as if that would be the case. But of course, it isn't. But we just have this false feeling that our ego gives us. As opposed to trust in this third way that can only really be engaged, seen, understood and followed from the reasoning of our hearts. And so there's a scripture where, you know, where Jesus sort of shares this with us that is that is very important and we find this in Mark chapter 2 verse 8 and again in my Bible it says but Yeshua knew in his spirit now that as something that a little sign note I want to make our spirit is responsible for giving us awareness and it is not the same thing as our hearts our hearts for example are able to feel they have emotions our spirits aren't our hearts have the treasure uh, of our true identity our spirit doesn't our spirit is is our spiritual radar our spiritual eyes ears okay and it's it's what scans life around us in the unseen spiritual world is what gives us the eyes to see beyond what people say what they think uh, what they may show us what they may want us to believe about them or something they're telling us it's is what gives us this ability Almost like that cartoon I used to watch as a kid where, you know, these eyes that could go through the wall and see what's going on in the next room. All right. So very important that because there's many of us that we've been taught that the heart and the spirit are the same thing. And here we clearly see that they're not because here Jesus says that he knew in his spirit. So he was aware in his spirit of these, that these things that they were thinking in themselves. And he said to them, why do you think these things in your hearts not in your minds he doesn't say to them why are you entertaining these thoughts in your mind no he says in your hearts okay now i also like you to turn with me to luke 2 51 because again you know the heart has also a memory bank and it's a far richer and more influential and far more transformational memory bank than if you like any any part of our brain could ever be or have in our lives and the reason for that is that our hearts they store emotional memory okay so you know when sometimes you're listening to the radio and a certain song comes on suddenly you're transported into this moment or you remember this person or you remember a place or a, or, a, or a time during your childhood. 
suddenly these all these feelings come rushing in into your life uh, and into your being from just listening to a, a song. Uh, and that is, you know, that emotional memory, a, a good moment, something that happened that made you happy, that touched you deeply, your heart remembers. Now, whilst your heart remembers that, it is your brain that remembers where that happened. Okay, so you remember the name of the street or the place or the name of the people. So in other words, our mind has, an, you know, obviously a memory bank too, but it's a different memory bank. It's a memory bank that enables us to do life in this world. Okay, and that's what our bodies and our minds are. They're like a set of tools that we've been given to do life in this world. And our minds, they, you know, they, they have memory about our careers, our jobs, um, you know, uh, memory about the diary. Um, and in fact, often our minds are not even functioning the way they're meant to because we use them for other things that they're not meant to be used. But that's for another podcast all in itself. Uh, and so they remember this circumstantial information in our lives. The emotional, um, you know, memory, that's for our hearts. Now, equally, like this good memory I just, I just shared with you through a song, also there we remember the, the, the emotional heartache, the suffering, the, the pain, the wounding that we have experienced in our lives, all of us, regardless of who we are and what our position in life is, that we have all experienced. And of course, it's inevitable because we are all broken and we are doing life in a broken planet. So this is something that happens to all of us. And of course, there's nothing to be ashamed of. But this is the place where that is. So again, if we do not in any way um, subscribe to the heart, these wounds is like an inner bleeding that goes on within us on a constant basis. And, you know, the way these wounds show up, just like this flood of feelings uh, that come up, you know, from a good, from a song, Suddenly you're driving and you remember this bad experience you had or you remember this person that really wounded you or suddenly you remember a memory of something that happened to you that was truly painful and traumatic. Now, often what we do is we start rebuking the devil and we say, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I make that thought captive into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's almost like we think that the devil is the one reminding us of our past or perhaps a mistake we've made, something bad we've done or someone we have hurt. We're also not only did we wound them, but we also wounded ourselves because perhaps we didn't face the situation or we didn't, uh, you know, reconcile with the person or we never had the chance to do that. And so, you know, we are still captured by that, that event, that, that emotion that negative emotion within us that for some of us, it happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. For some of us, 10 years. It doesn't matter. The time is irrelevant. But the thing is that part of your heart, okay, is completely shut down and it's unable to function and, le and live and breathe. All right. And at this point, I just want to invite you to consider carefully because... The majority of us that subscribe to this journey of Christianity and even in other religions, we are severely wounded people. And there is the wounding in itself, the severity of that in itself, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But because we do not deal with it and we, and we, and we don't enter and allow God to heal that in our lives, so we have more of our hearts available, 
So, you know, more of our true identity and our true personality can flow into our lives. Shame starts to come into our lives and we start to hide those things. Because, of course, we don't want people to know out there what we've done or what has happened to us, that perhaps we've been abused or we've been raped or perhaps we have abused other people. We don't want others to know, like we call it, the skeletons in our closet. The problem with these things is that they're, they're anything but skeletons. Because skeletons are just bones that gather dust inside. These are active, living, bleeding wounds within you that are infecting themselves over and over and over. And for many of us, like they did for my life in many years, for many years, they dictate the way that you relate with God, with yourself and with others. So again, it's incredibly important that we access the heart and we live there because, of course, you know, from there we're able to not only see truth, but we're able to understand also when God is speaking to us, when our heart is speaking to us, and when God is speaking to us through our heart and is pointing out something saying, hey, listen, Pablo, this memory that just came up, there is something here deeper that I want to I wanna heal, I want to set you free, because I don't want you to be scared about this thing anymore. I don't want you to be anxious about your past coming back to hunt you and to capture you. I don't want you to not be able to love your enemies. I don't want you to always feel like you're going to be abandoned and rejected, because that is what happened to you in your childhood, and that wound is still very much you know, uh, in action in your life, if you like subconsciously, but it's still affecting the way you experience life outside of you. Now, what I have learned to do when one of these thoughts or memories comes up, I normally don't react to it, but I observe it. I stay in the middle of it. I allow it to hang around and I simply invite that. And I say, dad, is there anything you want to show me or say to me that is attached or part of this memory or this thought or this person or this, this, this event that has just come up from my heart. And if you don't hear anything, um, and you do the, I do this regardless whether I hear something or not, sometimes it, God shows us that it's something that we need to forgive, that we need to forgive ourselves, maybe we need to forgive Him for something that we, you know, we, we misinterpreted that He did. Uh, regardless, we need to let go or we need to do something. We need to call somebody. Um, I always invite God to, uh, to simply say to him, Father, actually I call him Dad, Dad, redeem, uh, restore, renew, heal, set free, uh, resurrect. Do whatever you need to do with this memory. Do whatever you need to do within my heart that is associated with this memory that is clearly robbing me of experiencing life to the full, but also experiencing how much you love me and receiving that love. And also, of course, giving me the ability to then give that love onto others. All right. So very important. These uh, these two things are uh, the ability to reason and the, 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 the memory bank. Now, I didn't read Luke 251. So just sort of to show you that there is that memory bank and it says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And his mother kept all these words in her heart. So you see, again, it was an event that truly touched Mary. Uh, it was an event that obviously carried emotion. You know, here's your son saying to you that he must be about his 
father's business, this following on, of course, from an angel appearing. And, and all of a sudden, the events begin to happen to only, uh, you know, just endorse further what she experienced, obviously, before Jesus was born. And it just kind of gives her, it's, a, it's obviously a very special event for her. So it just almost like, you know, further endorses, it further adds value and it further adds to this wonderful experience that she, of course, is living, uh, which is, uh, of course, you know, carrying God himself within her womb. And now he's born and the very prophecies and the very things that the angel said and, 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 and that his name means, they're beginning to come to pass. So these are very special things. And of course, she doesn't store that in her head, but she stores it in her heart. Now, the, the final thing that I want to cover today, uh, which I believe is extremely important, not just because I'm a Latin man and I, and I am very emotional and, and sometimes, you know, I'm, I pay too much attention to my feelings, as people tell me, but because I think that this is an area where so many of us, like the area I just shared, have been robbed in, in the body of Christ. Uh, and that is our feelings. You know, for some reason, we have... Most of us, if not all of us, have been told that we should not listen to our feelings. We should not really listen to our emotions because they will mislead us. They will lead us astray and, and we can't allow them to dictate our lives. Now, that last part of the comment, I agree with. We must never allow a feeling or our emotion to dictate how we proceed, whether it's good or bad. That needs to be marinated with wisdom. It needs to be marinated with prayer. And of course, it has to be marinated with the leading of God. However, Jesus himself yeah, was never discouraged in any way by anyone and not even God himself to not share his feelings. In fact, not only did he share his feelings, but he engaged them. Yeah, he also engaged his emotions. We know, for example, when he went to see Lazarus, he cried. He was sad. He was moved emotionally. And he was happy to allow that to be seen by others. He didn't hold it in. He didn't, um, you know, pretend that he wasn't sad. He didn't stay cold and calculated and, and became super spiritual. Like he was somehow above all this human stuff, you know, of crying, of being sad, of wailing, of grieving. No, this is a beautiful thing about Yeshua. He completely immersed himself in our reality as a human being. And he himself... Not only was he happy to entertain and feel, but he was also happy to publicly express his emotions and his feelings. The Holy Spirit himself, we are told, do not grieve the Spirit. Now, you can grieve something that doesn't have feelings or emotions. Can you? So again, the person of the Trinity has emotions. It has feelings. Like I believe God does too. And we know he does. And, and so... You know, God is giving us our emotions and our feelings. And that's why I say to people, within our hearts, we have needs, desires, and wants. Okay? Now, we all know that some of those, if they come from our ego, then, of course, they will usually lead us to places that are not good. But if they come from our hearts, you know, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Not of your mind, of your heart. So, again desires, wants, and needs, they are from the heart. Impulses, compulsions, and addictions, they are from the flesh and our ego. 
All right. So the desires, the wants and the needs from our hearts, they bring life to us and to others. All right. And it's important that we pay attention to them so that when we suddenly get a desire, you know, we pay attention to it. Desire for many of us, it's a word that we think, no, it's evil, it's wicked, it's, it's dark. But the reality is desire is actually good because without it, you know, if we didn't have desire, we would never, ever go anywhere or start anything if you think about it. And, and let's face it, Jesus had desires, right? And so desire in itself is not bad. It's what happens with desire that causes us to suddenly, you know, become unhealthy about it. And I'll just quickly sort of share this because I feel led to do that. You know, say, for example, we have a desire to do something or whatever. Now, if we begin to pursue that, that is good, right? We begin to go with it. We begin to follow God in faith. We begin to follow the desire to see what, what this is about. Now, the moment desire becomes unhealthy is when suddenly we feel that if we are not able to somehow bring this desire to pass, or if we are not able to see this desire become a tangible, circumstantial result, that if that doesn't happen, then somehow we're going to be less than others and that we are going to be incomplete and that our lives are never going to be fulfilled. That's where desire becomes uh, something that I believe comes from the ego. But if the desire is from God, you know, we don't approach it with expectation. We approach it expectant, which is very different because that carries hope, faith, and we are always open to seeing where God takes it. And we're always open for it to, you know, generate and organically go and become something that perhaps looks very different than what we originally thought it would. Okay. So again, very important about our feelings and our emotions. And just sort of to back it up with scripture here, because I know obviously it's important to always do that. I want to go to John 16, 6. And it says, for I have told you all these things and sorrow has come and has filled your hearts. Okay. Again, here's, you know, Jesus talking and he's saying to them, you know, sorrow has come and filled up your hearts. It doesn't say it has come to fill up your minds or your, you know, it has come to fill up your hearts. Now, when that sorrow fills up your heart, you need to listen to it. You need to express it. You know, tears, I believe, are, you know, the unspoken uh, healing uh, patterns, if you like, that flow out of our lives. Yeah, it's the way that God washes our wounding. Um, I know many men find it hard to cry because we believe it's not masculine. Well, I will just be very vulnerable here and tell you that I cry and I cry often. I often cry. And the further I go down this road, the easier it is for me to become emotional and be touched by things. The easier it is to be captured by things that before I used to think they were nonsense. And the, the, the more uh, fulfilling and enriching emotional life I have, not just with my wife and my children and, my, and, my, and the relationships that I obviously have, but also when I'm watching a movie, I'm able to, to immerse myself more in a movie. I'm always, I'm always able to immerse myself more in a sunset. I'm able to immerse myself more in a relationship. I'm able to be much more present because I know how well and how much I am loved by God. So I don't have this anxiety that I'm wasting time in this conversation that in my view and my ego's view is not going to give me anything at the end or further me down in life. So I don't want to be with this person. No, I am able to be fully present and I'm able 
to you know not only be fully present but to be impacted now of course we need to guard our hearts the bible tells us that but at the same time we're also you know uh, we're also called to be present and we're also called to be able to immerse ourselves into life and to focus on what god is doing right now as jesus said in matthew 6 and one final verse uh, on uh, feelings and emotions you can find it here on uh, john 16 22 and it says, even now sadness is upon you, but again I will see you and your hearts will rejoice and no man can take your joy from you. Interesting, isn't it? That no man can take your joy from you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think about that scripture says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I think, you know, often when I see people smile, because one of the things I learned through my coaching was obviously body language. When you see somebody smile from their their mind, where it's just a you know a polite smile or just a business-like smile, you see you see the smile that is just basically a, a small curve on the lips of the mouth, uh, on on your mouth. And when you see someone smile from the heart, their cheeks raise up, their jaw almost like you know moves back. And the whole face is lifted up and, and it shows that there's a deeper, deeper joy, which is the joy that obviously Jesus is speaking about here, that, it, that is obviously uh, that they are actually sharing with you. And again, I wonder when was the last time you smiled like that? I know in my life, um, as I choose to process life and do life more and more often from within my heart, that this uh, cheek raising smiles seem to be more and more present throughout my days and i hope that you too can come into this experience because it truly is transformational and it truly does give you a, a glimpse of what this abundant life that jesus came to share with us is about now as we come to the end of uh, our podcast and our time together today um, i just want you to consider that the most important underlying premise that we all look for and in my estimation it really is the top priority in every single human being with no exception and that is that deepest need that we all carry within us to know that we are loved now god obviously is the one that created us and he understands this and that's why I believe the most important thing to God is the condition of our hearts. Because he knows that the only place where we are able to tangibly experience that understanding that we are deeply loved, that, that place within us where it's the only place where we're able to really know um, and in real time live as people that, if you like, are living loved is within our hearts and that's why i believe also when he gave us that first command that i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast which is to love the lord our god with all of our hearts was because he knew that if we engage life and god and ourselves uh, from our heart we would have that main underlying premise that let's face it the absence of it in our lives, that lack, that ignorance that so many of us have of really truly knowing that we're loved is what leads people to do things that bring consequences into their lives that are of course opposed to those consequences that uh, we experience 
when we know we are deeply, deeply loved. I'm not talking about life becoming easier, but I'm talking about life and God becoming real uh, and, uh, and the ability to experience life in the way that God meant for it to always be experienced. If we choose to remain outside of our hearts, um, we will then do life primarily from our egotistical mind, which, um, of course, as we do that, we will have no capacity of knowing and understanding at any significant or deep level how well and how much we are loved by God. And that, unfortunately, means that we will never be able to, of course, um, if you like, immerse ourselves fully. We will be um, spectators of life. We will know about God. We will know information about him. We will possibly become great big fans of God and of Jesus, and we will cheer him on like fans do on a football match from a distance. But we will never be able to know that beautiful inner embrace uh, that transformational embrace of love that the resurrected Christ can give us and gives us within our hearts. Remember, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is something, it's a journey that we have called Christianity because, of course, Jesus was not a Christian and neither did he come to start Christianity. We did that. But his message was about closeness it was about intimacy it was about following him journeying with him being with him moment by moment experiencing ultimately a love a peace a rest that has nothing to do with the love the peace and the rest that we are offered through our doings but instead the love the peace and the rest that i believe adam experienced in the garden as he was not doing, but being uh, with God moment by moment. Remember, it's important to be patient. It's important to be graceful, to extend grace to ourselves. This journey of the heart takes time. Uh, it is not like a dualistic mind-driven journey where we uh, judge it or uh, value it according to results. No, we are more centered, more focused on experience. That experience, uh, as we walk on this third way of the kingdom, means that results are added to our life over time. Um, and what becomes important to us is, you know, experiencing not only God and his love, but also being able to freely offer those gifts of the spirit, you know, patience, long-suffering, loving-kindness, not only to ourselves, but mainly also to others, allowing those and seeing those flow out of our lives uh, and out of the abundance of us being able to experience that onto others. So it's an effortless journey, uh, if you like, an effortless flow of life, like uh, Jesus said, uh, that rivers would flow Rivers of living water would flow from within us. Uh, and as you and I know, there is nothing you can do to make a river flow. A river flows because that's what he was created to do. And so I just close by 
um, encouraging you. I hope that what I've shared today has once again uh, awakened curiosity within you to look further, to research, to ask, to be silent and wait, uh, to be led perhaps in a new direction with a new perspective that will uh, bring not only life uh, and deep healing to you, but also this wonderful space where we, uh, which compares to nothing else, uh, where we know, of course, that we are deeply loved, wanted, and have God's attention all of the time. Until next time, wherever you are and whoever you are, may you continue to know this wonderful, transformational, loving, deep embrace within your heart of that beautiful, resurrected Christ. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about the Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. As for me, I hope that you can join me again. So until next time, thank you and Shalom.